When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Legends Lounge. I'm True Withers. With me today, I've got former Ball State Cardinal, who's a Portland Trailblazer, Memphis Grizzly. We got Bonzi Wells with us. Thank you for uh, stopping by the lounge, man. Appreciate you having me, my brother. Appreciate being here. Of course, of course. First things first, I'd like to ask people, what was your welcome to the NBA moment? <laughs> My welcome to the NBA moment. Wow. Whew. Besides getting drafted, mm. it was the first day of practice when I first came to practice, and that's when I knew it was real. Okay. What made what stuck out about that? It was I got well, I got drafted by Detroit when I came mm. into the league in ninety eight. And it was the lockout year. And and I then I ended up getting traded to Portland. Mm. So my first couple days of practice i couldn't practice because of you know the the paperwork of the trades and all that stuff so i had a chance just to watch and i don't know if you remember the the teams back in the portland trailblazers Mm -hmm. teams back then but it was the who's who of basketball and i just remember me sitting there like oh my goodness i don't know how i'm going to be able to survive in this and it was just like i'm here now like i'm used to playing you know back at home i'm in ball state indiana where i'm from but you know when you get to the league it's real right. and i saw you know when i saw, saw rashid and sabonis and you know stacy augman walt williams jermaine o'neal damon stoudemire mm-hmm. the list goes on jr Ryder. it was just jimmy jackson the list goes on it's greg anthony the list right. goes on it was so many great players and i was just like I was scared to death, but, you know, after about a month or so, and, you know, after guys bruising me a little bit and kind of put me through my rookie haze, and I kind of got comfortable. I thought I was going to say, when did you feel like, okay, that was I'm here. When did you okay. feel like, okay, I, maybe I belong here? Oh, when I belong? Oh, man, it took months. It took months, really? you know, because I came into the league, it was a 50-game season. Mm. It was it was a lockout season, and um, me and my brother Jermaine O'Neal, you know, we were not playing at the time. You know, we were kind of just, you know, those rookies that, you know, had to come early, right. stay no, late. Like you said, they had a veteran team. So yeah, they had a lot veteran of, yeah. team. So we just had to work on our games. Right. So, you know, me and Jermaine, you know, we was on the third team. You know, we had 15 guys back then. This back mm-hmm. when they had a roster of 15 guys. So we was on that third team. Right. And we just made a pack after about a month that we're going to start busting them vets' tail. Like, we're going to start going at them and we just okay. going. So, you know, Make I, a name. I, I had to go at, I had to go after J.R. Ryder mm-hmm. and Jimmy Jackson. Those are the guys mm-hmm. who had my spots. And these are proven veterans and Definitely. 20-point scores. So I just told myself I'm going to learn everything I can from them and I'm going to use it against them and I'm going to find their weaknesses and I'm going to try to exploit it. And I started getting better in practice. And one day I had a great week in practice where I went at both of them, dominated them mm-hmm. for myself. My problem, right. they, they probably say something different, but I <laughs> felt good. And I just knew after that, I was like, if I keep hooping, I'm going to be a good player in this league. And that was my moment probably about two months into the NBA season. So was it, you say like going at them, was it like a part like, I'm here to take your spot. It wasn't. It wasn't that because we brothers. You know, right. I understood the pecking order. I understood what it was. But I'm like, I'm going to get your attention and the attention of the rest of the guys. And let them know I can do the same job you can or better. Mm-hmm. And that's just the mindset. It's no disrespect to the vets because I love them as my brothers. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can't. You know, they're not going to feed my family. You know, like I could. <laughs> right. You know, so it is what it is. And we're all you know pushing for each other. But the reality of it is, we all want to start. We all want to shine, and we all want to get to the biggest bag. Definitely. Definitely. So what was it? I like to ask this at the end, but what, what was it like getting to your first bag? <laughs> Man. I just re- like signing your name to the what, – what, what, just you know, initial thought. 
it was crazy because, you know, I came into the league and it was a lockout year. Mm-hmm. So I got drafted on June 24th, July 1st, uh, the league locked out. So there's no business. You couldn't have no business. So I'm still on, on college, you know, rations a little bit, Roman noodles <laughs> and stuff, still kind of living that life. And then after basketball season, I signed my first basketball card. And I started signing, like, basketball cards. And I got, like, a check for, like, $20,000. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was rich. Okay. You know, I thought I was the richest man in the world. Because I never – before I got went to the NBA, I never had more than, like, 1500 Dollars that was mine, right? And I was through Pell grants and stuff through school because yep. you know, so I was. So even then, it wasn't yours. So it wasn't yours. mine. Right, right, you yeah. pay bills, so I never really had money like that. So right. when I got twenty thousand dollars for signing a card, I thought we was rich. I thought I didn't need no more money it. for the rest of my yeah. life or whatever, you know. And that was my first moment. Then I, I sat back and thought about it, and I was like, wow, I just won lottery. I got some millions coming, so I couldn't compute because I never had really money. Our family wasn't for money, so I couldn't right. compute what a million dollars was, and right. that's what I knew. If I felt this good about 20000 I knew how it would feel about 200000 or whatever, whatever, right. so that's when I knew I had to keep grinding and, you know, the, the money's out there to get. Definitely. So what would you get with that first twenty k check? The first, what'd you get for you? For me, the first thing you got bought for you. The first thing I got for me was a 1998 Lincoln Navigator. Ooh, they just came out. They okay. just built them. They just came out, and it was like a dream car of mine. But it was bittersweet because my dad worked in General Motors for 30 years, so he couldn't believe that. Yeah, you, after you working at General Motors, I was home, home, man. Rival, yeah, come but on. He was happy for me, but he sure side eyed me. But that was the first car I ever got. First truck. I'm sorry. You still have it? No, I actually gave it to my best friend some years later because okay. you know you get to going through cars, you know, during the stuff. So I ended up giving it to my best friend because i know he would take care of it better than i would so right true <laughs> true now you mentioned you from grew up born raised all that in indiana right yeah, yeah. now drafted by detroit but immediately mm-hmm. traded were you kind of looking forward to playing like somewhat close to home yeah. like it ain't pacers close to home but <laughs> nah. you in the midwest no i was i was excited because you know it's crazy my roommate from college was from detroit mm. had a couple teammates that was from detroit mm. and we had always kind of went back and forth to detroit i would go home with them every every right. now and then to show love and just kind of see where they was from mm. so i was excited i knew the ride my parents could come see me right. and i just remember when they told me i got traded to portland I, we was like where the hell is portland right you know what huh? I mean? so you know we never really did we was like wow and then we looked at it, it was like man portland's 2500 miles away right. so it's just a different vibe and i've never been away from home in my life so the first time i ever left home was when i went pro so it was like are you gonna be able to do this b my right. mom was looking at me like my baby because you're gonna be <laughs> so you know but it, it, it worked out it worked out i was i appreciate my brothers and and, and, yeah. and their wives and the community for kind of making me feel at home and just making sure i had a home-cooked meal uh took me around the city just made me feel comfortable who yeah who were some of those vets like who who, who looked after you well, um, when I first got there, I mean, when I first got there, me and J.R. Ryder hung really, really tight. Mm-hmm. And then the general manager kind of pulled me to the side, was like, hey, you know, you know, Jay's kind of on some other stuff. I'm like, no, nah, man, Jay's great people. But it was like, you need to, you know, kind of hang with Careful, some other guys. Yeah. And I was, you know, we look at him like, man, whatever. Y'all don't understand right. these people. But right. to be honest, it was him. Damon Stoudemire is from Portland. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had all his homies, everybody looking out for us. He had us at Terrell Brandon, who's from Portland. Mm-hmm. His barbershop, you know, that was the hub for everybody to kind of go and hang and gotcha. just kind of just, you know, you know, how yeah. you know how barbershops is. And that's kind of how I got integrated. Rashid was great. You know, Jermaine O'Neal, we were both on the same page in life. We were both young. We wasn't mm-hmm. playing. So we really gravitated to each other. So those were the, you know, five or six guys that really, really looked out. Walt Williams was a great vet, too. You mm-hmm. know, his, him and his wife did a great job of just bringing me through, feeding me. You know, it was just it was just great times that you mentioned a little bit uh talking before that damon was, you said he was the calm <laughs> yeah the calming force yeah. of the of the trailblazers yeah. How, when you think back of him in those times what, what comes to mind just damon being cool man damon if, if you know damon you, and you mentioned that you just interviewed with mm-hmm. me 
the way he talk and the way he is, that's how he is all day long. Damon is just an even just kill even guy. Kid, like, yeah. You never know when Damon's having highs or lows because mm-hmm. he's always here and he always bring a common influence in, to me and myself and our teammates. And, you know, whenever we get out of pocket, you know, Damon be like, no whales, man, you know, here. <laughs> It might not have been the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? When Dame talk like that, you know, you got to kind of listen, yeah, you know, because Dame, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, he ain't going to tell you nothing. He's always respectful. He ain't right. going to never disrespect you. But Dame was just always the common force. And if it was just, you know, in the moment, it is what it is. But he always would just let us know that, you know, right or wrong or whatever. And I always appreciate that about him. And he still does me like that today. You know, mm-hmm. I call Dame probably once a month we're going to talk for at least an hour right. just where he just you know just just venting just talking about life you know you know future kids just anything we could you know think of just you know and that's what i love about having a big brother and a vet like him mm. did you see like at the time did you see him becoming like a future coach oh yeah I mean, like that was, he just seemed like he was just yeah, kind of like destined all, to be that i feel like all point guards are yeah, destined to be able yeah, to go yeah. because they're, they're always leaders on the court they're right. always you know always got to deal with so many different personalities and if you know dame he got a relationship with everybody, you know, in a different way, but the same type, you know, tone. And mm-hmm. I knew he would be a great coach, and I'm just so excited for the success he's been having now. You know, mm-hmm. fast forward, you know, going through all the ranks that he's been through, and now he's back into the show, and I think he's going to do great. Definitely. Now, I want to ask, like, you have – you mentioned, like, fond memories, all these guys that, you know, looked in after you. And on the flip side, this is the team that was called the Jailblazers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what yeah. – how did like how did it feel? Because again, you describing guys, you know, inviting you into the house and home and home cooked oh, yeah. meals and yeah. looking after you, yeah. and then you look out and see y'all getting called jailblazers. So how what was that like? Well, you gotta understand, it was different times back then. Yeah. And then like, you know, and we talk about this on our on our pod. We we've, we've mm-hmm. talked about it that you know Portland is a place that people can tend to seem as racist, mm. you know, and that was just a racist term. You know, back then, you know, now when you fast forward, you're like, oh, that was some bull crap. That right. was handling us like that. But back then, I looked at it as a term almost like the bad boys of Detroit. Mm. We just bad boys of the league. You right. got to have, you know, you're going to have the good guys. But we're all, you know, you're going to have the bad guys. Right. Too. We like, got a little edge like, to it. entertainment. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody knows this is entertainment. Right. So you got to have good guys and bad guys. I looked at it like that when we were playing. Like, jailblazers, it's cool, hey, we go into your city, we, 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 we with the smoke. Right. But not knowing the cultural, you right. know, the cultural part of that word, like, like you know, like I know my life, and I know you know your life, and you know as being a man of color, we go through our whole life of not trying to be associated with anybody's jail. Right. We don't want our family. You know, our family behind us and put in our mind. We not you're not to going to jail. That, yep. Jail is not for you. And when they was putting that moniker on us, I didn't understand how my mother was feeling, mm. my father, my grandparents, people who's been through that. Right. I was. I'm. I'm. I'm turned up. I'm 22, right. 23. You're taking like I'm a not, term of endearment. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not understanding because they got to read this. Right. You know, they're not in Portland. They're back in Indiana. So that's the only thing they knew was Associated Press. Jailblazers. Reading jailblazers. They reading jailblazers, and then they reading their their son, their grandchild, their friend, their brothers associated with that. So I didn't understand that. I kind of. Right. Pe- Poke my chest out and just made it like, and then people was looking at me and start judging me, right. like, "Oh, he's really that," right. and you know that's carried, and that moniker has stayed with us still, still to this day. Yeah. I, I walk into a room now to this day, and people will be standoffish until they get to really kicking with me, like, "Oh, he's cool," because mm-hmm. they think I'm this guy that's going to bite here first. Because that's yeah. all they knew. Because perception is reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So when they put that perception on us, it was like cool back then. But when you think about it now, it's like that was some bull crap. Because yeah, that was totally racist. And don't get me wrong, it's some great people in Portland for sure people that was writing that stuff they had bad intentions and and it didn't end well 
Right. Did you ever have like that conversation, like with your mother or father, or like somebody coming to you saying, like, I, you know, I read this about you and your yeah. team at X Y Z or whatever? <laughs> All the time, you know. But I didn't. I looked at it like, oh, they just talking. I, I didn't right. understand what Associated Press really was. It goes worldwide. Like yeah. I said, I never left home before until I went to Portland. I didn't know the game. Right. I'm just hooping. You know, I'm just playing ball. I don't, I'm not thinking about nothing but hooping. I'm doing exactly what got me here, and I was hooping. Mm. I didn't play the. I didn't know how to play the game off the court and be this person and change the narrative. Right. I just thought the narrative was going to be the narrative. So I didn't know because you know back then we don't have social media. We don't have a voice. You know, if you say anything against the league, it's, you're going to get fined for conduct detrimental to the mm. league, conduct detrimental to the team. We so used to fine, we was just like, it is what it so, is. You yeah. know, we got we almost got to just watch what we say because we getting fined for so much. We get right. technical fouls for even looking at people crazy. Come on. Right. You know, we doing you know, Rashid led the league in texts, and I, I remember one year he had forty five texts or something like that, mm. and I watched twenty five of them where he would just look at people and they were just scared of him and just give him a tech. Right, and that stuff right there, you know, I was just so thankful that Rashid went to Detroit where he got a chance where Joe Dumars and the rest mm. of the, they protected him and they changed his narrative. I didn't right. get that, you know, what I'm saying I didn't get that to go to somewhere where they protected me, changed my narrative, and let people know that hey, this guy's a good guy. He's a he's a grinder. He's right. not this, this this villain. I think so. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. You know, those days were crazy, but, you know, I did have family members that felt some type of way, and I kind of played it off. But, you know, as I got older and I got to see before my grandparents passed, I got to see my grandmother. You know, she she was always proud of me, but, you know, I know that stuff used to hurt her. For sure. Yeah. For sure. You mentioned, like, when you came in, you seeing, you know, Rasheed Wallace fast forward, and now y'all doing a show together. Like, what's that like? How How did that come about? Man, you know, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. I, I, I attribute everything with Let's Get Technical to my guy, Steven Jackson. Okay. You know, because about four years ago, you know, we all be in limbo post-basketball trying mm-hmm. to figure out what to do, what do you not want to do or whatever. And I went down to Atlanta, and I was with, mm-hmm. I was with Stack. And this was before Stack made his rounds and before he started mm-hmm. doing being on, being on everywhere, you know, just before he started <laughs> right. being everywhere. Right. And he was like, hey, man, I'm about to get on a podcast, and I'm just about to start telling my truth. Mm-hmm. And I said, what you mean? He's like, I'm just about to start telling my truth. He's like, Bonzi, man, there's so many people that relate to us and need right. to hear us. He said, man, no disrespect to the guys, the squeaky clean guys that's on TV and got all the Hall of Fames and the rings mm-hmm. and all that stuff. No disrespect to them, but it's so many more people that relate to us Definitely. Them. So they need to hear from us. So I thought on it for a year or whatever, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. and so then I watched him. He just went everywhere telling his truth, being who he is. And I was just like, man, that's that's what we need to be doing. So I'm calling Sheed. I'm like, Sheed, let's do this. Let's do this. So Sheed, you knew like, off the bat you wanted to do it with Sheed? Because well, we the same. You know what I mean? That's my guy. I'm, he's Batman. I'm Robin. You know okay. what I mean? It is what it is. You know, that's my big brother. You know, mm-hmm. we all have the same narrative. And, and I, I reached out to a few other guys, but mm-hmm. they had stuff going on. But sure. I'm like, Sheed, this is what we need to do. We need to let people know who we really are. Let's just start talking. Because, you know, Sheed's always, you know, it's famous. Post-game interview, both both teams play hard, my man. You right, know, yeah. He'll be done with it. People right. don't know she's the most charismatic dude you caring, mm-hmm. coolest dude you ever want to meet. He's a one-of-one. One. You know, nobody's like Rashid, and people need to know that. And I used to tell him that, and he used to be like, I call him up, She, we need to do this. Nah, Bonds, I'm straight Bonds. If you mm-hmm. know Sheed, nah, Bonds, I'm cool, <laughs> Bonds. You know, I'm I'm coaching these kids, man. I'm straight. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, no worries. You know, I leave it alone for a while, watching my brother Steven Jackson do his thing. Mm-hmm. So... He invited me out, so they started all the smoke. Him and um, my and brother Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes mm-hmm. and you know, I, and I was like, "Oh, that's how y'all doing it? Like, <laughs> right. oh, y'all going this, all in? Okay, y'all all in? So okay." They invited me out to New York, and they're like, "Just come out and see what we do. Mm-hmm. Just, just see what we do, Bonds. He's gonna change your mind." So I'm like, "All right." Flew out to New York, and I walked in. I, it was, we was in a room kind of like this, and mm-hmm. we were just going over what they was about to do. They walked in another room and filmed it. Mm-hmm. Came back, talked about it some more, filmed some more stuff, and mm-hmm. then they were done. 
I'm so used to making a hard physical buck. I wasn't used to this right. type of just, lifestyle. Yeah, just, said, yeah. So I said, this work? And he's like, yeah. I walked out the, I walked out the place, called Rashid. I said, listen, brother, <laughs> we're doing this thing right now. I don't care what you're talking about. And I don't know if the stars were aligned. Right. He said, let's do it. Set it up. Okay. And, and I, I, what, what, what you right, say? You know, I was tripping. Ready to forge his name on the uh, papers yeah, to so, get him in. Man, I'm telling you. So then he was like, man, I don't know what it was. He's like, to do it, Bond. So I reached out to a few people I knew, and we just started filming shows. We didn't take no sponsorship. We didn't do it. We paid for it. We paid for a producer, mm -hmm. graphics guy. We just did it ourselves, and we just wanted to see if we liked it. Right. So we just put a camera in front of each other's face. We had a mediator guy named Gerald Brown who mm -hmm. kind of just kept us on task <laughs> so we can learn. So, you know, we didn't know what we was doing. We was trying right. to learn. And we just start pouring our heart on and stuff, bringing in our friends, interviewing them, just kind of practicing every day. Mm -hmm. And we ended up doing like a 40, 40 episodes on our own. Mm -hmm. Start doing some um, some meetings with people, and we end up doing a partnership with Ballers Life. And so we're on Ballers Life platform now, and we signed a two year deal with them, and That's what's up. it's been great, man. And you know, a lot of opportunities been coming um, just from us talking. You know, now I can see how announcers next thing you know go from the booth to the coaching sideline. Right. People, you know, when you know what you're talking about, right. People will give you some opportunities, and that's kind of what's been going on with us. You know, we started it. We're on our second season. Mm -hmm. We're on. A, so it's been it's been a great it's been a great process, man. And I've learned a lot more about Rashid. Just kind of listen to him talk. I find myself becoming a fan just right. listening to him tell stories. And like, what's something you learn from Sheed? I mean, or about him, I should say. I mean, I've al I've always knew the, the the type of love he's had for his mother and his family and stuff like that. But it goes deep with she, just how deep he is, and then just watching him engulf himself into the Flint water crisis. Yeah, you he know, was driving like just trucks how, up himself, like, he wasn't driving he? Driving ten, twelve hours, just how the dedicated. I knew he was dedicated to family, right. and friends, and stuff like that. But he just showed me a whole another dedication. And you know, Stephen Jackson's our brother, so we go around with him mm -hmm. and we talk to all these places and just see how the passion and the, like I tell like I tell them all the time. You two brothers are gonna be remembered more for your activism more than hooping by the time right. it's over with with y'all because they're so passionate about it. So to kind of watch those two, I mean, I try to learn and, and do what right. I can, but they're like goats to me on how they crossed over from being known as hoopers and bad boys and thugs mm. to now they're out there inspiring people and helping the people. And, you know, I always call them the men of the people, you know, right. because they, they're so, so that's what I learned so much about. I knew he had passion, but it just went so much deeper right. than what I thought on the surface. Now I saw, I believe it was you, Stack, I don't know if she was there, like out in Louisville, I believe it was last summer. Uh, we was in Memphis. In Memphis, my, yeah, my bad, yeah, my bad, my bad. We was all together, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what was that like for you? Just like out in the, because again, last summer was time of just, I don't know, civil unrest, social yeah. unrest. Yeah. Like a lot of shit was going on. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what to say, yeah. but a lot of shit was going on. It, it, it was deep, bro. It was deep, you know, because like I said, Stephen Jackson was pushed to the forefront when the George Floyd situation mm -hmm. happened, and that's his brother. So, yep. you know, we support anything he do. So, you know, he would just go around and anything he would call us. I'm like, hey, I need you here. And we was just there. And then momentum started building. And then he got an opportunity to go down to Memphis. And we were doing the um, Allen Iverson Showcase. Mm. Allen Iverson does an All-American game every year. But last year he just could do the showcase. And this year he did All-American. But last year he did a showcase. Mm. So we all went down to support him. And, you know, we always like to double up and get in the community, talk to the kids. Right. And, uh, you know, um, anything we can, you know, in terms of toilet yeah, food yeah. whatever. And that's how it came about. And just kind of. Watching them guys go through here, you know, putting cameras in their face, bullhorn, just talking. Mm. I mean, I'm used to these guys out here talking trash and playing. And <laughs> right. these dudes are so – they just show me another side of them, the intelligence, right. the, you know, the I mean, the leadership, you know, and that's mm. just – you know, they're so proud of them, you know, just, just doing that. And Memphis was a great platform. We've been down there twice since, and mm. I think Stephen Jackson's been to 20 different states. Out of, out of I, was, I know he was making the yeah, rounds for a minute, yeah. He's doing stuff um, actually today, and um, Rashid's probably been to about 10 or 11. So them mm. guys really traveling around. I've probably been to six, five. Or six so we just try to do what we can and that's what it's all about you know we all have an 
obligation. You know, I've, I grew up in with a guy. He was a Muslim guy in my community. I always had these churches that each one teach one. Mm. Like each one of us has, has an obligation to teach or help the next. And that's the way I've always taken it. And we all running with it. Right. So it wasn't like a like you got to the pros and knew you wanted to like help or give back in the community. You just it was just something you grew up with. Oh, and that's it was just all, your mentality. I, we've always done that. I mean, yeah. that goes without saying. You know, if you can't get on and not go back to your community and give back, you know, we don't. I've given back so much I never even talk about it because that's what you're supposed to do. You right. know, especially with the people you know. Like I've been a volunteer coach in my high school for the last four years, and just just I, I, I drive an hour and a half every single day to get to the school just to volunteer wow. and mentor the kids mm. because I'm from the community. I grew up with their parents. I know these kids. I know what they're about to go through. I know right. they're what they're seeing every day so i just be trying to change their vision board a little bit just trying to tell them like yo i've seen the same stuff but it's other stuff on the other side of that wall that you're looking at right there it's other <laughs> stuff. this world is so much bigger like right. trust me and you know i tell them my story and i tell them you know i show them you know i bring them i just bring them to my house and see all the stuff I'm like man i got all this stuff i'm staying dedicated to something you know what i'm saying like y'all don't have to stay in these streets i ain't got to look up the dope boys right. and people that's other ways to man, go about ways man like right. i've and, I, and what I love about the world right now is that I watched a lot of my, my, my and there's no disrespect to them, but my, my dope boy and street partners mm -hmm. use their mind differently, start right. businesses, to start doing stuff to help the kids and stuff. And, and, and I'm loving that right now because a lot of people are starting to start businesses instead of just like, yo, we all just going to sell drugs and, and rob people. And right. Stuff. And then Come on, everybody figure out what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's you going to jail. But if you, I watch people do so many things within the community and start, start starting businesses, mentoring them, man, I love it. Yeah, hey, that's beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I was going to ask you, when y'all record behind you, mm -hmm. there's a picture, or a, a drawing yeah. of yourself and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dope drawing. Yeah. What? The, like, why do you have that there? What is it? When you uh, see that, what do you think of? Well, first off, a, a young lady, um, she 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 was a fan of the show, and she was like, she seen me post that picture, and she was like, mm. I'm a I'm a beginning artist. Mm. Can I try to draw this picture? I'm like, no problem. So right. you know, she drew the picture, and I was like, is it okay if I start featuring it on the show? Mm. So she sent it to me. I started featuring on the show, so I put it back there. But just every time I look at that picture, you know, obviously, you know, rest in peace to Cole. But yeah. it brings chills down your spine because everybody don't get a moment like that with him. Everybody right. don't have that moment. Everybody can't say they played against Kobe, competed with him. You know, I've heard Kobe say my name on his lips. My kids have heard right. that. You know, my kids have sent me clips like, Dad, Kobe was talking about you. Kobe played against you. And my kids weren't old enough to really see me play basketball or understand, right. you know, how we used to go. And, you know, it's giving me chills right now just even thinking about it because he blessed so many people with his presence and the way he played the game. We mm -hmm. all chased it. Right. You know, Kobe was my goat. You know, he was my rabbit. You know, he was my, you know, I, we, I, I grew up watching Jordan, but just when I played, Kobe was that my was guy. That standard, I had yeah. my standard. And, you know, we miss him so much, man, but his legacy. And I, I watch all these young boys paying homage, you know, to Devin Booker's and all the young mm -hmm. boys just so much playing homage to Kobe, man. It just lets you know his impact, you know, and that's the type of thing I tell myself. I want to leave an impact on people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I almost lost my life four years ago. I had a heart attack four years ago mm -hmm. and I almost lost my life. And, mm -hmm. That's why my stuff has changed for me. Like, I'm so in deep in trying to impact kids because I think about it. I was like, dang, if I would have died that day, my legacy would have only been he was a hooper. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, you, you think of it differently. Which is fine, but that's just, yeah, it's, but it's, it's fine, one but chapter saying, of the but, book. Yeah. But you want to go deeper now. So now I go deeper. You know what I'm saying? I, I never did public speaking. I mm -hmm. never did none of that stuff. You probably never even heard me talk too much. You know what I'm saying? I have, to be honest. A lot of people haven't because mm -hmm. I was a quiet, laid-back dude, but mm -hmm. I got so much in here that I need to give out to these kids. So much games, so much stuff. Like, it was crazy. My dad, when I went to the NBA, like I said, I never left home before until mm -hmm. I turned, you know, went pro. And I remember my dad told me that, this is as far as I can take you, son. 
because I'm mm-hmm. he never he never seen this stuff. I'm about right. to like, man, I'm taking you as far as I can take you. Now you got to go it's be on head you. of the family. It's right. on you. Now you got to bring back all this game to the family. So and it was a different type vibe. And my father said that, you mm-hmm. know. So, you know, that's just you know what it's been for me. And you know, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to you know be able to mentor kids, coach these kids. Like I love coming, like coming to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I would never do stuff like this. Right. I got to, you know what I'm saying. I got, I got <laughs> to, you know what I'm saying, because right. my network is my net worth. You know what I'm saying. This is true. Is what it is, and you know, and and, and the more I can get my message out and talk to people, they might link me to go talk to some more to people. Somebody, yep. and that's what it's all about. It ain't about the money stuff. It's the impact. You right. know what I'm saying. I I have kids now that come to me like, yo, I used to come to your camps 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember you said, you know, some certain stuff, man, it changed my life, and that's just what it's all about. Definitely. And, you know, that's why I do it. True. So we got you out here in Vegas for yeah. the uh, yeah. the Legends Getaway. Do you you play? You a golfer? You get on the links every day. Every day. Okay. Every day golfer. Every day love golf. Okay. Golf is so, my passion. So you ready to bust some hit? Like you here to? I mean, I'm going to just play my game, and, you know, I'm going to try to get one stroke lower than whoever I'm playing against. I feel like that's what people are saying. Like, <laughs> you tee off, and then it's I mean, people going for blood. No, nah, we go for blood because we, comp- <laughs> we all competitive, man, but I, I love this game. You know, golf golf changed my life. Golf, yeah? Totally, yeah. To- I've been playing golf. This is my 18th summer. Okay. And, you know, before golf, you know, I, I grew up in the inner city, so, I'm all, you know, I grew up in the streets. So mm-hmm. all my friends are street dudes. I'm in the streets. I'm You know, I'm doing that street stuff. Mm-hmm. So once I started playing golf, it changes my surroundings. It changed the people that I'll be around, and it changed my mindset, to be honest. You know, if you, if you play golf, you know mm-hmm. – that you got to relax your mind. You got to just really just clear your mind to be able to hit that ball. Right. And it changed. It slowed me down. And then, then I was going to golf every day. So then all my friends start slowly just start falling <laughs> off because they're like, man, we ain't golfing with you on that stuff. Right. So it just changed me. And right. throughout the years, that's just who I become. You know, I became a, I was a baggy, short, long T-shirt wearing dude. <laughs> now I wear khakis and a polo every right. day. My friends laugh at me. So it is what it is. <laughs> it's growth. It's uh, growth. growth. Okay. So who who's some of the better golf, uh, retired player golfers? Huh. First one to come to mind, uh, Penny Hardaway. You know I mean? Really, yeah, Penny nice on the list. They say Penny a scratch. They say Penny scratch. You know, I hear, I hear good stuff about uh, uh, Jay Will, White Chocolate, okay. uh-huh. White Chocolate can play. Okay. Um, my, I got my buddy Mike James into it. Mm-hmm. Mike James, I got my boy Mike James. He plays. Chauncey can play. Like you know, we we started the big three uh, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. so we had an opportunity to play every week with you know some of the legends uh, and the players. Right. So you know, um, Iceman is probably one of the best OG <laughs> golfers. You know, George Gervin is probably one of the best. Okay. You know, so you know, but Clyde Drexler can play. Okay, Clyde Drexler, Drexler, Drexler here scratch. So it's it's a lot of people to golf because you know you take the same energy that you put in the basketball. Right. Now it's in the golf. So now right. you you know if you ain't no good today and people laughing at you. You going to practice on the low? Like next time you see me, I'm you ain't, I ain't right, gonna, be, not gonna be laughing. Yeah, so we all take that same approach and trying to get better and act like you're not no good, and then right. you'd be pretty good. Okay, okay. So I gotta ask you, who's the worst worst retired play golfer you seen? <sighs> Somebody gonna, came to mind. I'm gonna give it to Oak. I'm gonna give it to Charles Oakley. I said it. Oh wow, Oak's my man. Oak's my Can man. We, we're gonna Oak. We're, we're, uh, listen, uh, when listen, we love Oak. But yes, we, we love we Oak. love Oak. But like I tell Oak, you got way more money in golf than you got skills. <laughs> <laughs> and he to that he says what? What does what does Charles Oakley say to that? That's my big brother, man. He <laughs> loved me, man. He know I play too much, and you know he knows it's all coming from a loving place. You know what I'm saying? They all they all know I played way too much, but mm. you know they know I'm a real one, and you know I might say anything, but he knows he's not that good. But he can play. <laughs> no, but okay. he he can get around any course. Right, but he can, pl- but he can't beat me. So that's why I say that. Okay, so you you, you willing you, you willing to put that on tape that he cannot beat you in golf? Charles Oakley would never beat me in golf. Nope. No. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, I feel put like that, put, that on, like, put that on wax. It's on wax. <laughs> it has been waxed. Uh, 
Uh, appreciate your time, man. We won't hold you too much longer. Uh, you mentioned, you know, driving an hour and a half, giving back to the kids. What's one thing that you wish somebody would have told Bonzi at 18? Oh, man. Man, you know, I, I say this a lot, um, but it's about um, the people that you meet along the way. You know what I'm saying? Never take those for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell this story like when I got to Portland, um, Paul Allen, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Mm-hmm. Allen. But he was the fourth richest man in the world. Started Microsoft with Bill Gates, you know, mm-hmm. has so much going on in his life. And after the season, I used to just come home and hang with my friends and my homies and be on some whatever stuff. Mm-hmm. When I should have went to Mr. Allen and be like, hey, can I get to do an internship with you? Right. Just learn about the world and about life, man. You know how happy, you know how excited he would have been. You know what he, what, the world he would have shown me if right. I would have just shown some interest in his life? Because he's the fourth richest man in the world. He knows something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He knows a lot yeah. of things. So I just, my mindset was different. I would, you know, so I wish I would have had somebody that really could have just helped me just, you know, stay laser focused on what the opportunity that I had in front of me. Because now I went from hanging with dudes who got less than $100 to their name to hanging with millionaires and billionaires every right. day. That don't happen every day to people. So nah. take advantage and cultivate those relationships. So I wish that was somebody somebody could have told me back then. Mm. And the last question I'll leave you with. Why don't you get mentioned with the all-time greatest nicknames? <laughs> nobody calls you your real name. Nobody calls you your birth name it's anymore. Because nobody even know, know Bonzi is my nickname. What is your birth name? My birth name is Gowan. Gowan. Does anybody call you that? My mother when I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you hear that, it's like, ah. Oh, yeah, if I, hear, if I hear that, right. you know me for I'm real. Ca- yes, ma'am. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, but my mother my grandmother, they're the only people that call me that name. Only, perp- only people. Yeah, yeah like, Matt, like, nobody calls Magic Johnson his real name. Nobody calls Bonzi Wells Gowan. No. And then the Jailblazers legacy, and they show no love. <laughs> We're going to do our best to uh, break that. I appreciate it. Uh, my appreciate man, Bonzi Wells, thank you for dropping by the lounge. Yeah. Thank you for all the, the, the good work you're doing. Appreciate and it. And you got an open seat here anytime, my man. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, family. Yes, sir. Thanks for stopping by the Legends Lounge, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge, and be sure to subscribe and rate the Legends Lounge with me, True Withers, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.